Take your copy of the Bible, and uh, if you don't have one, you're welcome to use the Pew Bible in front of you, or underneath the seat in front of you, in John chapter number 14. <clears throat> John chapter 14. Again, reading back in verse number 6, we're going to concentrate uh, mainly on verse 13 and 14, but I want to begin our reading uh, on back to set a little bit of the context here for us. And uh, follow along with me. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also from now on. You do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, Our thought this morning is on prayer, and I would ask you the question, as I've been asking myself all week, what is it? What is prayer? Is it uh, an echo, uh, kind of a wishful dream or a statement of something we long for or wish, so we, we sort of say it out loud? Is it like throwing a penny in a well, you know, a wishing well where you go by, you throw a penny and you make a statement, so that's kind of like what prayer is? Is it some kind of complicated uh, formula where you have to know all these right words and and all the right phrases and put them in the right place in order for uh, you to unlock its power and potential? Is prayer one of those traditions, you know, like we do after you, uh, before you eat? You say your prayer, or kind of like when someone sneezes, what do you say? God bless you. And so maybe prayer is like that. It's just a remnant of what we've been taught as children or how we grew up. It's just what you do. You pray before you go on and do the serious work. What is prayer? Well, it is first and foremost an activity. It is something that we do. We pray, which is an active uh, action on our part. I would say... Uh, and I think you would agree with me, or I, I hope you would agree with me, is one of the gifts that God has given to us that is never exhausted or expended. Kind of like when you go to, to your favorite coffee place and you get your cup of coffee, and what do you do with the cup when you're done? You throw it away. You don't need it anymore, right? And some of you are, you save stuff, and maybe you save it for later use, but it's discarded. Prayer is never like that in the Christian life, is it? We never exhaust it or expend it to where we don't need it anymore. Throw it away like an empty wrapper. We're never done with it. In fact, as one Puritan said, 
uh, William Bridge, it is the element of the Christian life. And let me quote him as he, he goes on to say, as the fish lives in water, as in its element, and dies when it's out of it, so a Christian lives in prayer and in his element, and his heart dies when he is out of it. That's a kind of a, a vivid picture, isn't it? That's the Christian element that we live in. But what kind of activity is prayer? Well, and we, we can at least say it's a communication with God. It's, it's talking. It's, you're talking to your Heavenly Father. You're, you're praying. You're communicating with God. But not like we think at times where you, some of you remember they used to have those 1-800 collect call commercials, you know, because we used to have to pay a lot of money when you called long distance. And so sometimes we think prayer is like reaching far beyond uh, our capacity and, and calling God on some long distance phone call. There's still a, a great disconnect, even though we can speak to him. In fact, I think the, the illustration for us is more of a communion, a, a communication in fellowship. In fact, I, it may be best described in the words of drawing near to God. So it is an activity, it is a, a drawing near in fellowship or communion with God. Let me offer you the definition that <clears throat> the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology gives us, and that's a big word in a big book if you have one of those. It says this, prayer, biblical prayer, is crying to God out of the depths. It is a pouring out of the soul before God, a passionate pleading to God, even wrestling with God has any of you ever wrestled with God it is more than empty phrases and I think that's captured for us in that definition it is the whole of our person seeking talking praising thanking asking searching for God and his help uh, the fact uh, that we pray comes due to the fact that we need that we have desires, that we have wants, that we, that we find ourselves most times often at the end of ourselves or, or with the re, reality of our limitations. And you know as well as I do, the greater our needs should imply the greater our asking and trusting and seeking God for help. In fact, some of you live that way constantly as you carry the burdens in your life, don't you? The things that, that are constantly there, whether it's a loved one, a family member, a child, a grandchild, a, a friend who's walking away from the Lord, and you've realized in your own limitations their waywardness is not going to be brought back by your, your pleading alone. So we seek God to intervene and work in ways in which we cannot work. What do you do? You pray, right? We pray. Verse 13 and 14 bring up this subject for us, and not in a new way in the sense of I, I will say something this morning that, that you're like, oh, I never thought of that. Maybe it'll happen that way. Maybe it won't. But, but really in a reminder, and it's a reminder that we need because we are often uh, in a place where we find the absence of prayer more than the, the overuse of it. To put it another way, none of us will say this morning, I pray too much, will we? How many of you are in that place? Well, just keep praying and add me or somebody else to your prayer list, right? But most of us would say, I should pray more. I should pray more. 
Well, let me offer you a few caveats before we look at this passage together. One, I'm not interested in giving you a guilt trip this morning so you can walk away. Well, the pastor said I should pray more, so I need to pray more. That's not my business. If the Holy Spirit convicts you in any way, we would all be well served to listen to him and what he's going on, but that's not my intention. But secondly, uh, on the outset of this, a praying church is not automatic. It should not be taken for granted. And I know oftentimes our church has, has claimed that statement, and I think we are a praying church. We do pray, and I'm thankful for the prayers of the saints, but it is something that needs maintenance. Do you know what I mean? It just is not automatic. It just doesn't continue on uh, on its own accord. It takes, it takes effort. And I would say uh, regarding a praying church, a church that is without prayer is a church that is without power. Thirdly, prayer is hard work. How many of you believe that? I think it was Watson who says prayer takes violence uh, because we have to go against our flesh and go against our own desires. It, It is hard to be vulnerable before God and it's hard to be vulnerable before others. And if reluctancy to prayer doesn't overcome us, then procrastination will. And some of you know that. I need to pray about this, and we go on about ourselves. We're going about our day. Well, Jesus invites us to this topic, not, not as we would think uh, oftentimes when we think of prayer, and that is by way of command. You should pray. You need to pray. You must pray. You are to pray. But he invites us in this topic by way of promise. And that is a reminder that this is not futile. Praying, a praying church, a praying people, His call to disciples to pray is not a futile task. In fact, that is how God will work through their prayers and through our prayers. But let us consider first the right to pray. Look at it with me in verse number 13 again. The Bible says, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, notice again, verse number 14, basically restating this. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now implied in this passage is the fact that the disciples will be praying. It's not a call to pray or a shocking news to to Peter and the rest of those guys that, you know, later on you're going to need to be praying. It was a, a custom. It was a it was something that people did. They they knew that they would be praying. It's implied that they would be praying later on. In fact, Peter sums up his old ministry in the book of Acts that it will be wrapped up in prayer and the ministry of the word. Of course, you and I know there's all kinds of reasons for prayers, different ways we can pray, different reasons to pray. Um, but this section is, is connected with the fact that Jesus says you're going to do some work. You're going to do the work that I am doing. And he goes further to say that it's going to be greater work. But you're not going to have to do this alone. I'm not just handing you the keys to the car without any help. Uh, You're not just going to have to go out and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth in your own ability and your own power. Uh, To put it another way, we might say the Christian is not to live this life based upon his own resources and his own giftedness. If that was the case, we would be most of all miserable and ill-fitted for the task, wouldn't we? 
And Jesus is reminding them that this is how you're going to partner in this ministry. This is how it's going to be carried out. Not by what you can do in your resources, but by what I can do in my resources. And that does change the situation, doesn't it? He will help them. But how does he help them? Well, he helps them. And I think it's tied up in this phrase, in my name. Whatever you ask, in my name. In my name. Isn't that an interesting phrase, isn't it? That's what we say at the end of prayers for, th- for hundreds of years. I don't know exactly when they started doing it at the end of a prayer. In Jesus' name. I know several years back it was quite controversial, wasn't it, to be in public and to close your prayer. In Jesus' name. I remember one of the inaugurations, one of the preachers closed within Jesus' name, and I was taken back. I was like, is he allowed to do that? I mean, is that legal anymore? Is Jesus saying that this formula, this, this, this statement in my name is just the conclusion of prayer? Is this how you kind of end it, like end it by saying, you know, sincerely or from or whatever? Is that what he means by in my name? And I don't think so. I think he's speaking more here of the ability or the right to pray when he says in my name. It's not just the conclusion of the prayer, though that may be well and true. It brings us back to the ability itself to pray. Uh, Notice he says earlier, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, verse number 12, will do the works that I do, greater works than he's will do, because I'm going to the Father. So there's something about Jesus going to the Father that makes possible these greater works and and also makes possible this answer to prayer. Something about Jesus and, and his ascension and his finished work that gives us the assurance and the boldness to come before God. It is the fact that that he opens the door. You remember when he said, I am the only way to the Father. There is no other way to the Father except through him. To pray in Jesus' name in one sense is to pray in his standing. Pray clothed in his righteousness. Pray accepted before the throne of God and by Jesus' very own acceptance. It is, it is that access he gives us to the Father. How does he do that? Well, he does it by providing forgiveness of our sins, doesn't he? By cleansing us, making us fit to be in the throne room of God and in God's presence. By not only forgiving our sins, but bringing us into the family of God. We are to pray, our Father who art in heaven, our, our adoption as sons. That right is given to us through Jesus and Jesus alone. By giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit and by continually representing us before the throne of God. At the Father's right side. All that to say, I think he's telling the disciples, as you come, you're not coming on your own merit or on your own regard. You're coming in my name, represented, or I'm representing you before the throne of God. All that will be granted to you, given to you, will be given through me according to me and what I've done for you. Which is a reminder to all of us that are in Christ Jesus this morning, we are not out of our place on our knees. Seeking God. We're at home actually. In the presence of God. Because of our great high priest. We're far from a stranger to God. Now sometimes we feel ourselves unworthy. To approach the throne of grace. Don't we? 
You think about the thoughts you've thought this week and the things that's run through your, uh, run across your, your, not only your mind, but the, the reactions and responses and you, you, the guilt of all the past and, and our standing before God isn't rooted in any of that. If you're in Christ, it's, it's rooted in Him. We're clothed in Him and His righteousness. And so we come with boldness, not because, not because of arrogance, but because of that propitiation, because of our, our Savior. No wonder Peter would later on write that we may cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us, because he loves us, and because his son died for us. So there's this right to prayer I think we see in the name of Jesus given to us here in verse number 13, but there's also the promise. Notice, notice he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Verse 14, he says, I will do it. Chapter number 15, turn over with me. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. Chapter 16, verse 23. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, what is that next statement? He will give it to you. And that's the promise he's given his disciples here, isn't it? Without trying to sound too repetitive, I go back to that statement, prayer is not a waste of time. Jesus reminding us the assurance that we have in approaching the throne of grace. Uh, I know there's moments in our life or seasons that we go through, we wonder, is this, you know, kind of like you do a mic check, is this thing on, is it working? And, and you're praying to God and you're wondering, is, is he even hearing anything that's going on in my life? How many of you felt that way before at least once? Well, the Bible, I mean, the psalmist feels that way, so you're not in bad company, Right? Psalms 13, 1, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And so there is this kind of pleading out to God uh, that we experience in, in our human existence, in our life, yet Scripture teaches us that is never the case. His ear is always open to us. And that while we may have times of waiting and trusting we come back to the reality that he always hears us. Uh, that the assurance that he knows us. In fact, what we read this morning in our scripture reading, that he, he knows exactly what you're in need of at this very moment. How, I mean, most of us don't even know what we're in need of at this very moment. Do you? Maybe one or two things, but, but even in that, we, we might have it mixed up. And yet, we come to one who knows exactly what we have need of and what Jesus is saying here is that he will answer you. He will, he will give the petition that you request. He will answer your prayers. Do you believe that God answers prayers? Do you believe that prayer is not a futile effort? It's one of the things you do, throw a penny in the well and go on about your life, and that'd be cool if it came true. No, Jesus is saying far from that, he will answer our request. But is it a blanket answer? 
Is it just a is it a, just a clear promise without anything involved in that? Well, if we whatever we pray, as long as we say in Jesus' name, will He always give it to us what we're praying for the way we pray for? And I'd have to say no. And I'll give you a reason why. First John five fourteen through fifteen, same author as writing the Gospel of John. The apostle writes this, and no need to turn there. Some of you can if you find it quickly. This is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we have asked of him. Now think about that. Asking according to his will, we not only know that he hears us, but that he will give to us what we are in need of. Isn't that encouraging? Shouldn't that in itself invite us and, and, and stir us up to be active in prayer? According, anything according to his will? What about your fight with sin this past week? Isn't it God's will that you are sanctified? That you follow him, you put sin to death in your life? It, the Bible tells us that. We, we don't have to search and, and pray about that reality. But do you take that fact and go to the Lord in prayer and ask for that strength and grace in times of your own temptation? I think that's what Jesus has in mind in part of what he's saying here to the disciples. What you ask, I will do it. I will grant it. I will give it that which is according not only to my name, because I give you access to the Father, but according to my Father's will and according to our character, because God never answers anything contrary to His nature. God works. God continues to provide for His servants. And what an encouragement that is for a church and for you trying to serve God with your gifts. We think about all the things that are going on, missionaries that we support that mentioned earlier this morning, and you think, how will we be able to continue it on? Why? We turn to God who provides, right? Does he not provide for his will to be carried out throughout the ends of the earth? And so that we might have courage and confidence as we come before God that this is the means by which these things will be supplied. Not that we don't give, but we give in response along with or after, oftentimes, and after prayer. And even as God answers these things, we contribute the glory and praise to God and not ourselves. Reminds us, why don't we pray as we ought to? Many of you recall the story in the Old Testament in Isaiah 37 of Hezekiah who, facing the army of Syria on the brink of disaster, Syria has just mopped the floor with every nation around there. Uh, Their representative comes to Hezekiah and says, none of these other gods and these other nations have been able to to save them. Don't let Hezekiah tell you God's going to save you. It's pointless. It's a lie. He's lying to you. Uh, And so what is... God, how does God respond to that threat? He says at 33 of that chapter, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast a siege mound against it. God says he's not even going to be near this place. In fact, he'll go back the same way he came is the next verse. But why does God respond that way? Well, the Bible tells us just a few verses before that in verse 21 that God's response is in response to 
to Hezekiah. And he tells him, because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. And what the, what Isaiah is preserving for us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is God directly moved, deliverance was directly related to in response to the prayer of the king. So that you and I know that God works mightily, sovereignly, graciously, powerfully, overwhelmingly in this world. And oftentimes, most times, the normal avenue is through the prayer of his people. Again, it is not a pointless exercise. And aren't aren't you a witness to that in some way here? Your walk with the Lord, wherever it is. Many of you are are there because of the direct prayers of your parents or a grandparent or a Christian friend or a church that had your name on a prayer list and never knew you. And yet you your your salvation and your your continual growth and sanctification, it isn't it isn't because you just become smart one day or you figured it all out. It is God working through the prayers of his it's saints, isn't it? It's not futile. God works and moves through prayer. So why the silence? Why has public prayer in, in the church and activity of prayer been depleted or not only in the church but in many homes? Let me offer you a few reasons I think this be the case. And One is... Uh, we fall into what is referred to as kind of a fatalist mentality. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. God is sovereign. It's just meant to be. And I believe in the sovereignty of God. So I'll confess that right out. I, I think God is in control. I think he is sovereign. He's bringing everything to its appointed end. Do you agree with that? Good. Saves a lot of explaining. But doesn't James push against and said, some of you in this, some of you in the church that he was writing to are living in want because of your lack of prayer? You have not because you what? But not just because of your lack of prayer, but also because of your greed and your sin. What I'm trying to say is that we must not miss the fact that God moves and works in our lives and the lives of those around us through the prayers of his saints. Another reason I think we, we find ourselves often silence is we tend to view prayer as one of those fire alarms. You know, if you pull it at the wrong time, you tend to get in trouble when you're at school. You, you remember those brave souls that got you out of math class? You're thankful, but you hate to be them, you know? <laughs> When all other avenues in this life is exhausted, then we must break the glass and pull out the, that, that, that practice of prayer when all this has failed or we find ourselves at the end of ourselves. I want to just say this. Prayer should be the beginning of what we do, the end of what we do, and all the way through whatever it is that we do. I'm not saying that us pray and not do. I'm saying that our doing is is helped and aided and made fruitful by our praying. Doing without praying tends to lead to not only pride, but 
resting in our strength, our own strength and in our own flesh. And I'd say that another reason we are silent is because we're intimidated by its complication. Uh, surely you've heard some people pray and you're wondering like I've never prayed before in my life. As a pastor down in Glens Falls, uh, I think he's in that area, Lake George, he comes to our APF meeting and we gather around in groups and we pray before um, Clarence Thomas, not the judge, he tells us. And uh, we, we gather around and pray in groups. And he prayed in one group I was in. I thought to myself, I don't even know how to pray. I'm, and I told him, I said, anytime you want to pray for me, please do so. Well, we tend to think prayer is complicated, isn't it? I mean, I think we should grow in our ability to pray. But oftentimes our discouragement uh, leads us to leave it alone. But I would just want to remind you that the publican went home justified simply saying, have mercy on me, a sinner, more than the guy who stood up eloquently saying all the things that he was proud of. I think sometimes we, when we, we complicate what we refer to as the sinner's prayer, we teach people this kind of formula and don't realize the heart just crimply uh, cry out, simply save me, Lord, or have mercy is just as powerful and effective. So don't be discouraged. It's not as complicated and intimidating as we see. There may be other reasons, but I think that's just a few for you to rest in. Now, what is the reward of prayer? The reward is, well, one is fellowship with the Father, isn't it? Communion. Communing with the Father. He speaks to us through his word. We speak to him through prayer. But also it's receiving what we've asked for. That's clear and simple isn't it jesus says to them i will do it i will do it that's how you'll get what you need by praying to me asking me or asking my father later on he refers to and you see that reward of strength of help of hope of of working changing people's lives changes your own lives giving you encouragement or or whatever it may need be that is the reward here given to us but i think also we see this the glory of god notice this Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. What is this? Well, this is answer to prayers. I will do this, that, that's the word in the ESV, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It, it comes so that, that's what that word means, to this end. Not just that you may receive what you need, though that will be good, but that in you receiving what you need through the means of turning to the Father and, and asking the Father through the name of Jesus that God himself is glorified in the Son. And isn't that the way it is, that God gets the glory? God answers prayers not so we can say, boy, I'm a great prayer. Is that that? How many of you ever thought that? I'm a great prayer. Not me. I mean, you thought you were a great prayer. No. I think that Psalm who talks about those stammering lips or stammering tongue. Have you know that? And uh, Yeah, through those stammering tongues, yet in the midst of that, how great a God we have. All glory goes to him for the way he moves and answers prayer. God gets the glory. Well, I could summarize it this way. Prayer is communicating with the Father through Jesus, securing for us those things which God has promised him we need. I want to give you... A few practical thoughts on prayer that you might find helpful. Some of these are are uh, scriptural in, in the sense of they're binding because the Bible tells us to do these things. Some of these may be helpful and practical. Uh, 
uh, as we try to have a takeaway from this. First, I would like to say we should pray often. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And I read a statement uh, of some uh, uh, church history uh, writers who said that it isn't long prayers God hears, but it's often prayers we need. That's not a direct quote, but it's simply reminding us. Jesus says, it isn't the, the amount of words you pray, but we should pray often. We're not heard because we say a lot. We're heard because we continue to seek him. And oftentimes our thoughts wander in prayer. How many of you have been doing that? You start praying, the next thing you know, you're fixing the leaky sink. You know, you've left that thing alone for five months, and it's leaked for five months. Your wife has been telling you for five months the sink's leaking, but get on your face and do your devotions and start praying, and there you go, you're fixing a sink. <laughs> Rearranging your wood pile or whatever it is that you do in your activity. What I'm trying to say is that as our mind wanders, sometimes we can rope it back in. Other times we need to say amen and pick it back up later. Pray often. Uh, the second thing I would say is pray scripture. Pray the word of God, the promises of God. Let them help you as you pray. That's why God gives us his word. So he teaches about himself and his promises in us. It is as if we go to the throne of grace with one hand with his promises in another, isn't it? I was thinking in Psalms 23, and some of you are actually living at this very moment wondering what God has for you in this life. What's the next step? And Psalms 23 reminds us that he leads us, doesn't it? All the way through, he leads us, he leads us, he leads us. Why not take that promise and as you go before God asking for direction or, or wisdom in the next step saying, God, you have, you have told me, you promised that you would lead me. I am your sheep and I, I pray that you would give me direction and wisdom. Pray his word back to him. Third thing I would say, not only pray often, pray scripture, pray secretly. We read that this morning, didn't we? Go to your closet and pray. Now, some of you are thinking you've never seen my closet. Nobody's getting in there and nobody's praying. Probably true. <laughs> uh, I uh, first met Mary and they bought this old farmhouse, huge rooms, 16 by 16 rooms, bedrooms. I mean, it, it was huge. It's, and I was doing carpet and, and there, none of them had a closet in them. What were they thinking? <laughs> none of them. Not, not a room in that place had a closet. Well, you know what he's saying, don't you? Seek the Lord and solace taking your burdens to him, your private prayer as you pray to him and, and ask him for help, whether it's for the day or for the burdens you carry or for other people in your life. Seek God privately. Some of you do that very well, I'm sure, and I'm probably standing here as a, as a testimony to that. I'm thankful for those of you who tell me you pray for me. Let that be your daily habit, seeking the Lord in quiet time. But also, don't forget to pray with others. Pray privately, but pray with others. You don't fight this Christian life alone. The burdens you carry, we're meant to carry one another's burdens, aren't we? And you can carry someone else's burden pub or privately as you pray for them, and you should do that, but also pray with others. Have someone join you in some way or another to pray collectively as a church and and agreeing on those things that need to be done. We need to do that. We provide a Wednesday night service that gives you that opportunity. 
Friday morning, me and the Bible study, you may, may feel a little awkward about that, praying with someone one-on-one. Uh, sometimes that happens, but nevertheless, we should be, we should be seeking the Lord together, praying together. Our needs are beyond ourselves uh, many times. Uh, and as you pray with others, pray for others. If the, the bulk of your prayer life is just simply help me, then I think we miss that great gift God has given to us. And one way in which we love and serve one another, and that is through prayer, isn't it? Now that may take you having a prayer list of some sort. We send out one every Wednesday uh, with different church members on there every week. And, and it goes through a rotation. And through that process, you can pray for the whole church family throughout uh, a series of weeks. Uh, whatever your habit is, your pattern is, pray with others. That's why we pray publicly on Sunday morning so much. Because I think it's scriptural, it's biblical, and it's necessary. But let me add fifthly. So some practical thoughts. Pray often, pray scripture, pray secretly, pray with others, for others. I'll put two in one there for you. Because you get nervous when you have over five, don't you? I got nine things for you. It's the end of the service, Pastor, please. Pray with faith. Pray with faith. I've talked to many people, and I'm sure you have too, who say that they pray to God, who have no clear relationship with Jesus Christ. They pray often, or they pray daily, uh, daily or they communicate with the Father. Um, they would not be considered Christian, but I would just say they have not come to God through faith. Biblical faith. It is not only professing that God is, but is receiving from the hand of God the provisions he's given for us, first and foremost through Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. They have come without faith. They need to come uh, crying unto God and turning to Jesus Christ. And his ears attentive to that prayer for sure, isn't it? That is really our entrance into the kingdom of God as we turn to him or the repentant cry of a sinner who turns to Jesus saying, have mercy. But it also to us as Christians, and I think this is important, we are to pray with faith. Whatever it is you're carrying, whatever it is in your life that, that weighs you down, do you think God is able to help in that situation? Do you believe what Paul says he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or think? Do you believe that he guides us? Do you believe that he is wise and has wisdom for how you need to act in this situation? Do you believe that he is able to work in the lives of your loved ones? Do you believe that he is able to use you to, to further the kingdom of God in some fashion or another? Do you believe that he is, he is working in your life for your sanctification and for his glory? Do you believe that he is able to, to bring revival and, and, and a, a change in society? Do you believe that he is able to, to save your children? Do you believe that he is able to, uh, to work in a number of ways that we could ever think of when we go to the Lord and pray? Well, we ought to believe that, aren't we? Do you come to God and pray boldly, knowing that God is not only hearing you, but able to, to work in this way more than you could ever fathom? 
Hasn't he proven that over and over? Hasn't he reminded us, not only throughout the word of God and church history, in our own lives that he answers prayer? And I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice by not stopping for a moment and praising God and and letting that be said in our mind and stir up our faith for the next thing that we're seeking his help with. Because we're never without prayer or the need of prayer. And so let us keep on praying with faith. We will not pray boldly. We'll not pray for big things. We'll not pray with expectancy without coming to God with faith. Coming to God with faith not only prays boldness and and big, but it also prays with expectancy. Pray for wisdom and then look at how God might give it. Pray for help and, and look for how God might give it. Do you pray with expectancy? Do you believe that God still answers prayer, church? Well, he does, doesn't he? Amen. There you go, John. We're here. We'll be here next week. Uh, Lord willing, unless he comes back, and that would be good, too. But with that, church, let me just encourage you to keep on praying. Right? Keep on praying. And with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning we can gather together. Thank you for your word, your promises, how precious they are to us. God, thank you for reminding us that as we come and talk to you, casting our care upon you, looking to you, trusting you, you're able to do much, much more than we could fathom. There are moments in our life I know that we are without words in certain situations, yet even in those, how the Spirit helps us in prayer, how the Son at your right hand upholds us, in prayer and so we thank you and God I pray this morning that if someone here does not know you that they would come to see you through Jesus and the cross as they turn from their own sin and their own way I I love what Paul wrote in Romans they that call upon the name of the Lord they that cry out to they that talk to they that ask they that that pray to you they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved I pray that would be even the case with them this morning Lord, we commit ourselves to you this day and pray that you would have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen.